Welcome to Ready for Mistakes, a contemporary photography podcast where I talk with young and established photographers about their work, theories and philosophies, and more. I'm your host, Jeff Smoody, a graduate from Illinois State University in the Studio Art Photography Program, and I'm also a working photojournalist. All right, I need to get some pretty important things out of the way first. What's your uh, hot take on Hobo Johnson? Oh, man. Um, I think that he gets a bad rap, and I think that he's got a lot of potential to be a good artist. I will say, however, that he... I think his fan base is so much... I'm going to restart this answer. His fan base makes him worse than he is. I think as an artist, he's just fine. Although it does make me feel uncomfortable about where he sits in this middle ground between like music and spoken word. And I don't know what to do with that information. I like to think that he's a, a bad hotel books, but that's my take on him. That's a good take. Now, my next one is, uh, what's your take on Anthony Green? I don't like his voice. Huh. It's very like nasally. I like every act that he's been in. Circus Survive, great. Sayosin, great. Anthony Green, passable, okay. Not perfect. All right. His solo stuff is not my jam. All right. All right. Now, the last one, this is probably the most important one, especially for those that know me well. What's your hot take on Remo Drive? Ooh. Remo Drive, I didn't want to like them for the longest time, and I like them now. Especially their newer stuff, because I feel like they're sad now. And uh, they're really nailing the sad sound. And, yeah, all the art school, like like the classic, great. Love that song. Debut record, great. Is that, what's their uh, debut Greatest record? hits. Greatest hits? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great record. I really do want them to make a third album and name it sophomore effort or something like that i think that'd just be great i can shoot that over to steven yes do yeah. it um mostly because steven is the one i'm most in contact with but anyway how's it going guys welcome to ready for mistakes podcast uh if you're unfamiliar of what's going on here this is a podcast where i speak with photographers or people that work in photography about their work philosophies work and all that jazz I said work twice in that sentence. I'm a professional here. Anyway, uh, so for this week, I have a good friend of mine who I went to school with in Illinois State University. He was in a couple of my advanced level classes for photography. Uh, He's a graphic designer and photographer in central Illinois. Um, And he graduated in 2018. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's been it's been a couple years, uh, a whopping one year. Yes. Um, no, one and a half, I'd say. But yeah. Anyway, I'd like to turn back over to you officially to introduce yourself, Cedric Wilder. Yeah. Hey, I'm Cedric. Um, I am all the things that Jeff said I was, and more, and more. I like food sometimes. Um, I work at Jimmy John's as of now, which is November 10th of 2019. I feel like that sounds shady, like I'm going to quit my job soon, but I'm not. I love it. Um, and also, not only do you like work at Jimmy John's, you like work at Jimmy John's, like not the restaurant. Well, you at the restaurant, but also like the office. Yeah, I do the design things for them. Um, I made sandwiches for a little bit. Yummy, yummy. Shout out to, hey, Jimmy John's, you want to sponsor this podcast? At Jimmy. 
sponsor me. That'd be a fun. That would be a fun sponsor. Yes. Um, the last sponsor uh, for uh, Joey Miller was uh, water. Water was our sponsor. Ooh, just water. Hydro boys. Yeah, we uh, were making sure to tag our friends to drink water. For drink that water. So, like, since you're <laughs> officially a graphic designer, um, and being designer for Jimmy John's and all that, um, obviously you also do photography. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here with me, and you, yes. you wouldn't have been in my classes. <laughs> so, how did you really get into photography to begin with? Um, well, my parents bought me an iPhone. Um, like many kids did. And so I spent a lot of time um, being an Instagram, like, influencer, wannabe. You had, like, be. 3 million followers as a kid? Oh, absolutely. That's amazing. Wouldn't that be the dream? <laughs> Actually, no, I don't need that many people watching me. I'll turn into Justin Bieber. Not that Jeez. he's bad. But um, anyways, yeah, I had an iPhone for the longest time. I took a lot of photos. Most of them were bad. Some of them were all right. Um, and then I took a class at Heartland as a film photographer. Um, took a, a few better photos, uh, thanks to one of my favorite professors, Jane Camp. And um, after that, went to ISU. Um, Got better at photo, became a designer, which I think influenced my photography. Shot some shows in the meantime, shot some concerts, and uh, think brings me to here, where I uh, shoot lots of things. Yeah. And, like, you're originally from Bloomington, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I would say born and raised, but mostly just raised, um, yeah. like, since I was, like, four. Which so kind of wild to me, because you went to university high school, right? I did. Yeah, which is one of my rival high schools, not the rival high school, because I'm also a Bloomington kind yeah. of native. I think we, did we go to the same junior high school? What junior high did you go to? I went to Kingsley. Oh, never mind. Yeah. I went to Parkside. Parkside, yeah, you're yeah, one okay. of those. Yeah. Uh, some real niche things for you <laughs> listeners out there. Uh, just think of your regular junior high and high school, like, woes against the other ones in town. Just... Just imagine that feeling Yeah. whenever you hear the other junior high name. But it's just kind of funny because, like, you knew some people that I know that I'm just like, how did I not meet you before? Because, yeah. like, you were in town doing this thing. And you played cello, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I played cello, too. So And, like, I don't know if University High School did, like, Allstate stuff or anything like that. Or, like, we had, like, Unit 5 had the unit orchestra concert that was... Uh, normal Community West and Normal Community, where I went. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they collaborated. But I think uh, U-High did its own thing, and Bloomington did its own thing. Bloomington isn't real, but it's unfortunately what real. What school is that? Honestly, though. So this is kind of funny, because it's like, I never realized that I would just run into... Uh, well, it was you and Amanda Miller were both, like, other townies involved in the photo program at ISU. Yeah. Yeah. And then Shay came in as well. yeah. Because he's a little younger than us. Which I never met Shay until photo, which is weird, too. So these people lingering around my life, but I never met them. Yeah, it's just kind of funny to me. Like, and you mentioned that you did, this is kind of like turning gears a little bit. Turning gears. That's, that's yeah, a Yeah, I like that. Um, 
Yeah, I think that works. Um, since you mentioned that you do your music photography, which is kind of where I started to see your work most. Mm-hmm. Um, you did like concerts and festivals and promos and stuff like that. Yeah. Album covers and art for the albums. So like, tell me like a couple or any number of like your favorite experiences from doing music photography as an umbrella term. Oh man, my favorite experiences. Um, I would probably just say like, like just basement shows in general. I feel like mainly when I was in like early college because I don't think I was really ever around that kind of scene. Like, I don't know, I played in like a band in high school, but we mostly played like at like churches and stuff. So like not the same as the basement scene. And uh, so I feel like it kind of just opened my eyes to like, oh, there's people that are different than me and cooler than me in the world. (laughs) And so, yeah, just like hanging out in shows and stuff like that in the basement. Like, um, I was super like into this band called Mighty Ships. Shout out Tyler. Uh, and so like I used to go to his shows all the time. And yeah, that was really cool. And then you know getting to meet like a ton of really cool artists and stuff like that. And yeah, getting a face behind the uh, band name. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was um, I think it was the first semester that you and I had a class together. There was a Sherwood Forest uh, house show at like one of the guys in Sherwood Forest, his house. Oh yeah. And it was a basement show. It was the most comfortable basement show I'd ever been to. Yeah. Because it was carpeted. You didn't feel like you were gonna step on like some dirty heroin or or anything like that? Yeah, like it was physically and just situationally very comfortable and the lighting was great and like I love the the palettes in the background I have some a couple photos of that on my website I think maybe mm. but I saw you were there and there was like a couple like one there was week a lot into the of semester at that show too like yeah. Nick Gundy was there shout out to Nick Gundy yeah uh, he was at the show that I briefly stopped by last night I didn't get to say hi it's a uh, November tenth uh, or whatever it is right November now. November tenth is. It's it's November tenth. Uh, so Nick Gundy on November 9th, I didn't get to say hi to you, but we made eye contact, and that was my greeting to you. I photographed Nick Gundy a while ago. He's a beautiful man. I love that. Those guy. photos look great, by the way. I was very. I got to play with my uh, new, uh, well, new used loosely, one thirty five f two for that, and that is one of the greatest lenses I've ever used in my life. Yeah, that compressed feel is. Like yummy that length at f two for portraits. Oh, I'm sure like it's blown out in the background. Oh my yeah. god, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, related to Sherwood Forest, um, they're they're a wonderful indie band based in Bloomington, um, and you've done quite a lot of work with them. So tell me a little bit about the the history of you and Sherwood Forest. Oh man, uh, well, we go way back. They're the vocalists of Sherwood Forest, um, Clifford Close is one of my best friends. I've known him since, like, I think I was probably, like, in sixth or seventh grade. Uh, Him and I went to the same church, and so, uh, oddly enough, I thought that him and a few of his other friends, I thought they were, like, really lame. I was like, these guys are dumb. Um, But then they asked me to join their band, and although I did not like them as people, I thought it'd be really cool to be in a band, so I said yes. And then I went to band practice and I hung out with them. Um, and then we were best friends and still are best friends with that whole group to this day. So I'm friends with Izzy. And uh, so I used to play in a band or a few bands under a few different names that are all really cringy. Um, and then after a while, I was like, man, I am not that great at playing music, but I'm pretty good at 
like taking photos and designing stuff. So when Sherwood Forest came along, I was like, let me help you out and make things for you. And that's where we are today. Yeah. I forget the name of the EP, but it was kind of funny. I took a picture of my old LG phone. Uh, this was also not too long after I officially met you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the promo shoots that you did for Sherwood for one of their EPs. It was oh, the one with no all like, the lights. Yeah, the, that was the, no like, retreat. All them holding lights. Um, and I saw one of the little like like promo handout things mm-hmm. on the ground out in front of the CVA at ISU, um, and it had like just rained, so it just looked all mangled and all that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I took a picture of it on my old LG, and I actually had a great camera for that cell phone. Mm-hmm. I don't care what people say about Android. <laughs> um, and I kind of wish I had it because I was just kind of funny. I was like, hey, I know this photographer and I know this <laughs> band. And this poor promo print had just been trampled by rain and humans. That poor thing. It worked so hard on that no. specific print. <laughs> you used one of those photos for <laughs> class, too. Well, that yeah, I think like that was honestly more out of like, like, I don't have time to make other work. So use that work, which don't do that if you're in school now. Take advantage of your time and learn lots of things. But I did not do that. Yeah. Um, that shoot was actually really interesting, too, because, like, it was the middle of the night. And the lights that are in that photo um, are actually road flares. Oh, so yeah. the weird thing is, like, you know, generally, if you have a road flare, people will stop to make sure that you're okay. So, like, doing a photo shoot using road flares, people keep stopping and be like, are you okay? So we had to drive out in the middle of nowhere, and still people kept stopping. And we were like, no, it's okay, we're just doing a photo shoot. Um, but luckily, police were not called or anything like that. We, did, we were not murdered in yeah. the middle of nowhere, so. That's good. That's how long good. do, like, when you start a road flare, how long does, it, does that light last? Oh, man. So, like, so it lasts for, like, I can't even remember. It's been so long, but I think, like, roughly, like, a minute or two. But the weird thing is, like, it starts burning down closer to the hand. And it's, like, because they're not meant to be held in your hand. You're supposed to, like, light them and then just set them on, on the ground. But, um, you know, you got to risk your life or hands for photography. <laughs> Especially, you know, like, when your um, music is reliant on your fingers. Um, we are like, just hold this road flare. It'll be fine. Um but it burned for a while, and then we were just like, just drop them when you need to, or just but hold it as long as you can because I need the shot. <laughs> so, and they had them all like start them at the same time, and just well, ke- those photos were composited actually. Oh, so, all right. So yeah, so I also I saw, so I shot them all separately, and then yeah, messed them all together because I think that was easier. Because that's actually really, really kind of interesting because I was, I was not entirely sure one what the lights were mm-hmm. and. Then you said that they were road flares. I was like, oh, do you just start them at the same time? And just adding more into like how yeah. you made that, because that's a really, really fantastic, like just band promo in general, just photograph in oh, general. Thank you, yeah. Well, I shot them on my like old Canon T3i. So like if I shot them at like that distance, because like this photo is like a probably roughly like 16 by nine, maybe wider than that ratio. So if I would have shot it like at with that camera, I wish it had been like just unusably grainy and gross for the middle of the night. So I figured I'd just shoot them all by themselves and then add some void to the background to make it look cleaner than it is. Helps when you have like a basically straight black background already. You can just add into that black with Photoshop. Oh yeah, I feel like at that point I had 
zero knowledge of like how to use Photoshop or anything like that or how to make things look halfway decent, but it worked out. I mean, just, if anything, it would have been like a like a, a teaching experience. Like you're latently learning a little bit about Photoshop. Yeah, using it. exactly. So I don't know. I feel like I never really learned any of the programs formally, but, you know, people pay me to do them, use them. So, you know, that's that's good. I like it. I, um, the only Adobe program that I know like in and out is Lightroom Mm -hmm. because it's, it, I don't have to worry about like weird functions or any layers or anything like Lightroom is everything I want and more. I can print from Lightroom. I can, uh, do all like the, the sharpening and everything in a very simple linear manner. Yeah. All, um, the exposure correction is, makes way more sense on Lightroom than it does in Photoshop. Yeah. It's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think it's a lot better. It's like, so kind of recently my process has been, I actually have been doing a lot of my color grading in Photoshop, which has been a big change for me. Cause like hmm. probably for the last, like, three or four years pretty much as long as i've been shooting digital photography i've used lightroom and then ever since i started working at jimmy john's we do like a lot more um like photo editing like retouching and stuff like that so through that i've just had to use photoshop and it's just easier to grade in photoshop so generally i will grade in photoshop and then bring it back into lightroom and then do exposure correction right yeah. said that backwards but I did exposure correction way. first and then color grade yeah, yeah. stuff like that which and is then weird. back in the light room yeah which I think is nice because I think I do less batch editing now so you kind of get the chance to kind of take your time on a photo and stuff like that and that's nice to use Photoshop for yeah. my my extent of Photoshop at, at my job like I was telling you earlier like I just touch the levels and I change the exposure. I don't touch the white point or the black point unless I need to. Mm. And I will throw on a very gentle S curve yeah. to add a little bit more pop to it. Um, so that's the extent of my creative ability at work because with being a photojournalist, I don't get to have as, as much fun with like the images themselves. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's something cool about that though. Is like, I think I have this internal battle when I'm shooting photos is like, Part of me is like, well, maybe I should just leave them less color graded and have like a more natural look. And I feel like especially with kind of I think films having like another resurgence right now. And I think that because of that, yeah. like that has influenced my style. Like maybe I don't need to add as much. Part of me is like, well, then I have the, my style. There's air quotes being put up right now. If we had video, it would be nice. Yeah. Um, but like my style is... You know, I feel like a little bit more heavily edited than just a natural exposure correction. So it's this battle that is constantly fighting within me. So, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen with like when you mentioned film, um, since I'm making my personal work more toward being almost exclusively film, I don't want to like pigeonhole myself in just film. We were shooting earlier today and I was only using my digital camera. Um, But I've noticed a lot over the past like two or three years, especially like 2018 and 2019 among our generation and slightly older and of course slightly younger. Um, so from like 16 ish up until about 30 ish, that mm-hmm. whole range of ages yeah. is getting way more into film photography. And yeah. then we got like the, this is the third episode where they're going to get a shout out. Our boys, Willem Verbeek and George Muncie from negative feedback. Um, the the kings of millennial 
film photography on YouTube are definitely helping with um, kind of bringing film photography to be like, realize that people, it's like way more accessible than they make it out to be. Yeah, I think it's it's way more accessible. And I think that there's also kind of this, I, I, I feel like I've noticed in the world of design, and I think it applies to photography too, whereas when technology makes a big leap, there's this huge rush to like using this incredible technology that we have. But I think that when that's kind of been tried out, I think that people generally have this reflex reaction where like, now we need to go all analog because this digital thing is becoming too like basic and like overdone. And I think that kind of happens in design when everyone decides to make everything look grungy every few years and then everything turns extra clean and flat and stuff like that. And then you see everyone using a canvas mask over the entire thing yeah. and then they stop doing that and then they're bringing it back and they're using like a parchment mask instead yeah, because exactly. it's slightly more fine grain. Yeah. And I feel like that happens in photography too. Like I feel like less in a less cringy way. I think that there's value in that. I think that's really cool that that yeah. happens. But I think it's also like, it's really interesting the way that that, kind of ebbs and flows with the way photography style and popularity happens. Yeah. And I kind of want to touch back on the music photography thing. Um, since you and I are both freelance music photographers. Yeah. Um, and like, no matter what level someone is at in photography age or like experience level, they're going to be attracted to music photography. It's yeah. a very attractive field of photography. I mean, you have models that are kind of, um, they don't have to agree to be your model because they're playing a show. Yeah. And they're too busy playing their instruments to be like, stop taking photos of me, which sounds weird, but I think that it kind of is this built-in there, model that you have. There are some bands that are just like, yeah, I don't want you to photograph me, but it's like, but I'm being paid to do this. Yeah. But... That kind of brings in the next thing is like, um, there's so many um, people that do music photography for free, which is good in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, to an extent because like they're building portfolio more more often than not. Um, like my internship for Castle Theater, which I loved, um, was an unpaid internship, but I was able to get into every show that I was able to photograph, shoot some of my favorite bands and all that. But then, you know, doing other shows in other cities, like, say, in Chicago or DeKalb or whatever, and doing those shows for free and then giving those photos to the bands. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your thought is. Like, what, do you, what are your, your thoughts on, like, music photographers doing their work for free? Do you think that's impacting it, uh, impacting those that are trying to make a living off of it? Um, you know, I think it, it, it's hard because, like, my initial reflex is, like, of course, like, I think that if you do work that's valuable, then you should be paid to do it. I think it's like cut and dry, like for pretty much anything. I think that if you're good at something, you should get paid to do it. But I think at the same time, it's it's understandable because musicians in that industry also don't really have money too. So it's like I feel like it, you know if you are a music photographer and you you know are charging you know like contemporary art photographer rates, then you're not gonna have money or, or if you're charging at like a wedding photographer's rate. Exactly. Even, yeah. Uh, I don't know how the comparison would be, but like if you're charging like for a regular promo shoot, like say for, uh, for example, if you're charging one person charges 
three hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a full photo shoot, like stuff for the albums, stuff for social media. Like you get a really good range of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next person offers the exact same package, but they're charging like two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like clearly they're gonna go with the cheaper person if yeah. they can even afford that. Well, and I think it's also, I think it's hard because I think that there's a lot of issues with photographers. I think it is a responsibility of a photographer to sometimes educate the consumer that what they're doing is valuable. And I feel like it's it's hard to not come off like a douche explaining that. But I think that some of my favorite clients are people that I've explained like, like this. Listen, like this is what I'm going to do and like this is why I'm charging this much and like listen I totally get that like if this isn't you know within your price range and like I have other photographer friends that are more like beginners and they'd be totally willing to do that um, but also if you're willing to you know fork out the extra money I promise you it'll be worth it yeah um, so I think that's kind of the conversation that needs to happen and I think some of my favorite clients and like for example my friends in Sherwood Forest they have they're incredible people I have tons of respect for them as musicians and they have respect for me as an artist and I think that because of that we get along great and we make great work together Um, so I think that there's I think that you definitely like photographers should definitely make money doing concerts but I think in the world that we live in where musicians don't have money then it kind of (laughs) musicians don't have money there's so many photographers that are willing to do it for free yeah and you know, venues don't always have the, the fun, or they don't always have the budget, I'm going to use that word specifically, uh, to pay for a in-house photographer yeah. sometimes. Well, and I will say that, like, I think that a lot of, um, at least in my experience, and granted, I'm not like a working, like, professional photographer, I guess, um, but I would say that in my experience, a lot of my work has come from kind of using shooting shows as kind of like a promo of like this is what I can do and then generally like that pitch turns into can I do promo photos for you can I do band photos for you yeah, like yeah. That. and I think that's really where I can be a little bit more I guess aggressive with my pricing and stuff like that because yeah. I think that, that you have more time and kind of more flexibility to work out something that works with the band so yeah and I definitely think that um, like I have like in a a kind of equivalent to your Sherwood Forest, like that common musician that just always comes back to involve with photos that you, words, I'm going to rephrase that. Uh, a, a musician that always comes back for you to take photos of them mm-hmm. for performances and promos. And for me, that's my man's Grant Millerin. Love that guy. I've, I've shot him for um, promo photos and so many performances of his. And him and I, I believe... We're kind of loosely talking about the next round of promos. We're nothing, nothing set in stone yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like having that, even just one or two musicians that you just are your your main. I don't want to say the word client because at that point they're not really even a client. Yeah. It's like they're you may or may not be paid by them, but like they're the ones that are going to definitely vouch for you the most for mm-hmm. the work that you're putting in. Um, and they're, they're going to be making moves and then making connections with other musicians that could like, oh yeah, I know this photographer. He makes amazing work. Here's his contact information and he's more than willing to work out a price with you and all that kind of like that kind of thing. Like having those, that, uh, kind of connection with at least one 
musician, band, whatever. Yeah. It's really important in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely think that establishing relationships with your clients, friends, whatever you want to call them, I think that establishing a relationship where you guys have mutual respect for each other is super important. And I think that kind of, I don't know, I think just generally I like to approach everything with like a thankfulness, I guess, if that makes sense, where I'm just honestly just super thankful that these people thought that my work is nice enough to choose me to be their photographer. And I think that that is conveyed through them as well. And so I think it's a mutual kind of let's raise each other up together, you know? So Yeah, exactly. And especially like in, um, like with college bands and all that, like one, they're paying for school and they have a band that they're paying for equipment and travel and all that. And they're getting like local gigs that they're getting paid maybe $50 grand total yeah. <laughs> for the night. And then they cover gas. Yeah. Um, and then a photographer comes through and is like, Hey man, I'll shoot your show. You don't have to pay me. And then you do that one show and you give them the stuff and it like that you might get that kind of perfect, um, matchup where like you find this one band, you do this one show for free and you start shooting them over and over again. And you start like both making money latently off. Yeah. It. As if to say like, you know, not to make it about money cause that's never really the goal, but of course making money is important as an artist yeah. for anyone. Well, and I mean like, Granted, I could be wrong, but, like, I think a lot of my my understanding is that, like, a lot of my friends that are concert photographers make a lot of their money shooting for publications because publications have a little bit more of a budget than the band. I mean, depending on what publication you're shooting for, it may not be a ton more money, but I think those people can pay you to shoot shows. And so I think that there is an industry for it, and obviously it's very competitive because there's a ton of show photographers and not a lot of shows um, yeah but yeah. i wonder what the, the if there were to be a ratio of of band to music photographer or music performing musician um to photographer ratio it's probably like one performing act for every 10 music photographers yeah it's it's incredibly competitive and i think that um which is a good thing. I mean, there's like a lot of really, really great work floating out there in the world and that's really inspiring, but also, you know, it's, it's hard to make a buck for it, which I think is why right now it's more viable for show photography to be more of a hobby and also kind of a way for me to get into a show that I'd otherwise pay for and get to see it up close and stuff like that. Like I shoot a music festival called Audifeed every year. It's one of my favorite things to do every year. And it's so cool because I get to like watch the band from backstage and I shoot it for free and I have a great time. I get to meet a ton of other photographers that are like way better than me and I get to hang out with them and see some shows and watch them from backstage sometimes. You get to like kind of weave through the crowd where there's like a little trench for you to like walk through. You don't have to worry about the crowds as yeah. often. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, the weird thing about that one, it doesn't really have a trench. It's like you just kind of dodging like stray um, spin kicks and stuff like that. But you can also shoot from on stage, which is really, really nice. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so... It's, it's a good time. And I think that really, like, more than anything, my favorite thing about shooting shows and stuff like that is getting to meet a lot of really cool people. I get to meet a lot of other photographers, and we get to kind of share tips and hang out and just learn from each other. And, yeah, that's the coolest part to me. Wasn't one, I don't remember if this was at Audio Feed or a different festival, but didn't, you photographed Silent Planet 
at yeah, one point. I did. I think that was my second year at Audio Feed, um, which was super cool. That was like incredible. They put on a great show. Um, As and, expected. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's Silent Planet. What are you? Like, what are you thinking? Um, and that was like my first time tuning like a show with like a not Canon T3i. So. That was really sick. I was like, oh, wow, you can turn your ISO up and actually get pictures of things without daylight. It's really <laughs> sick. So It's like Silent, uh, Silent Planet is one of my favorite metalcore bands. Um, like they put out one of my favorite albums of the past decade last year. Um, and like when I uh, at the time that you shot Silent Planet was when I was just getting into them, mm-hmm. um, and I was I, I knew that they were going to audio feed, and I was like I can't go, and I'm so sad and just depressed that I can't go see <laughs> all these other bands I want to see. Like that that lineup for audio feed that year, which I think was 2017, I, I think 2017 so. or 18. I think it was 2017. Yeah, that was a great year. Like, did you have you have you seen them? I, I haven't seen them live oh, yet. Oh no. man, I'm so sorry. You need to go see them. They're really and good. the um, Garrett from Silent Planet is currently dating um, uh, Katie Darks, who's another concert photographer who's absolutely amazing at oh, her man. work. And That's she's sick. like, she's got so much clout in the, yeah. just the photogra- the millennial photographer realm in general. Mm-hmm. Um, also reminds me, like how one how young Silent Planet is, um, and that you know. The fact that this amazing concert photographer that I've been following longer than I've been following Silent Planet ends up dating. And it's like, this is just kind of wholesome as hell. Like, I love this. Like, make me smile more, please. Yeah. And then uh, she, uh, Katie Dargs, was also the the model for the the ugly Christmas sweater long sleeves t-shirt. Oh, yeah. I want to get one of those Mm -hmm. so bad. Oh, yeah. It's like, let me have one. If Silent Planet, if you're listening to this, give us free stuff. You want to sponsor the podcast? Yeah. That'd be nice. (laughs) um so like outside of music photography like you've done like for class and just in general you've done some like conceptual kind of controlled photography as well as like vernacular photography like the stuff that we were doing right before recording Mm -hmm. um and like anthony hamilton the last guest uh also does a lot of uh vernacular photography as well so like for you personally outside of your music photography how would you describe your other photography um, I think like a lot of people focused, just kind of trying to convey um, an emotion that I have in my head and make that um, clear in a photo. But I think other than that, I mean, like, I just like to make things that look cool, which I feel like kind of sounds shallow and not very artsy. But mm-hmm. I think that there's like sometimes there's like a picture in my head and I'm just like, wow, this would be like a really cool thing if I could capture this and put it in a real thing. So that's kind of part of it. But. Yeah, I think maybe that's like a subconscious way of making myself sound, I guess, less artsy. I don't know what I'm saying really is what I'm saying, but make emotional things. I don't know. I feel like no artist ever knows what they're actually saying. I'm like burping (laughs) as I'm talking. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Um, But like one thing that I've definitely struggled with, I think you do a a really great job with is um, like... For like your, your slower controlled work of portraits and all that, do a really good job of making sure you're conveying, um, conveying an emotion that you are like envisioning and all that. And like for someone like me who has no idea how to work with people for photos unless they're a musician, 
it's the only time I can ever work with them because I just tell them, hey, <laughs> just, you know, the emotion that your music is talking about, do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> but like when it comes to anything else, it's, it's really, it's challenging for me. And I think you do a really fantastic job of that. Well, thank you. Seeing your, uh, going from your work from when we were in class and then some of the stuff I've seen more recently uh, on your Instagram and all mm-hmm. that. Plug your Instagram at Brown Bear Creative. Yeah, there's an underscore between those, right? Brown there, Bear there is an underscore. underscore. I wasn't gonna correct you, yeah. but I thought it's in the YouTube video and like all the other links and all that. It's yeah. it's there. My name is attached to it, so I think if you search my name, it's it should will maybe come up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So kind of going with um, some of the more art, art training kind of stuff. Um, so since you were a what? Um, since you were a, uh, it's going to ring again. Give me a second. Okay. My my dad texted me during the podcast. How dare he? Um, everyone texts your dad. So you were originally a graphic design major at ISU. Yeah. Or originally as if you were changing it. You were a graphic design major at ISU, <laughs> yes. um, but it's, it was a little bit out of out of the ordinary for for a graphic design major. You and Lee both who took advanced level photo classes. Yeah, um, that was that was very interesting. It was one of those things where partially, um, even though a design major, I think I've always had like a really big passion for photography, and so I think when I had the chance to. Um, have a gap in my class schedule to take photo classes. I was totally jumping at it. Um, and I feel like photography has always been something I do in my free time anyway. So like, I don't know, getting some credit hours for it was super cool. Um, and I think just kind of getting hang out with some cool people, like shout out Lee to, you know, just do shout some cool Lee. like photos and hang out was cool. So yeah, that was yeah. a that was a fun time period. I got to. I'm glad I was able to experience class with Cedric and a bunch of the other uh, hooligans in that time period. Some of them, some of which have graduated since. Um, it was like that was like a really fun era of the photo program. That was, yeah, I feel like I was still in that phase of like, like the senioritis was setting in, and I was like, like I don't know. I feel like I wish I would have, in hindsight, put more like effort into like the stuff we did in that class, but. That was a really, really fun time. Yeah, and I know, like, uh, since Bill was your teacher, for at least the ones that we were in class together with, like, mm-hmm. he definitely knew that you and Lee were uh, graphic design majors and that your focus was graphic design. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's going to be, like, pushing you guys to, like, you know, put out some high-quality, nice, art, artful stuff. Yeah. But, um, like, with the with the fun, I'm on, like, you guys are graphic designers, and, you know, Archana is going to, like, be... Really drilling into you guys, like, you're going to be doing this stuff. Yeah. This is way more important. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think he was a really understanding professor, and I think that um, there is kind of this middle ground that he seemed like he was willing to strike with us, where it was like, make sure you put in a lot of effort, but I understand, like, if you have a project due, like, yeah, later, then do that. But, yeah, I think it was a really, really cool kind of... Because I think, for me, photography has always been, like, this Switzerland of my like of my design work where it's like design is something I take very seriously you know it's like I you know I work hard I, it's like I get paid to do so obviously you know my meals depend on it but I think photography has always been for the most part like something that 
is more casual for me. So I think it's yeah. nice to kind of be able to have this thing that I'm still passionate about and I still put a lot of work into doing it well, but it's not something that my meals depend on, things like yeah. that. So it's it's nice to kind of have the privilege to be able to take it easy while doing it. And yeah. I think that class was a good example of that. Yeah. And do you think that since like, since you work in two different media, like you definitely, I, I think that your, your design and your photography have influence on each other. But like when you're, when you're taking photos, do you like kind of approach it like a designer or maybe when you're doing design, do you approach it like a photographer? Like what's, do you think that there's some kind of similar resonance there? I think there is. I don't think it's as direct as like, as like thinking compositionally, like, design and photography but I think that like the aesthetic principles exist and I think that as a designer I've always been like super intrigued by color and like modulating color and using color to kind of um, draw attention to something that you're trying to draw attention to but and I think photography has always been the same um, I think I've also gone through weird phases where like in my photography I'm like let's just push colors way too hard and I'll look back and I'll be like oh my gosh what the heck was I thinking but uh, I think that that's kind of the crossover point is like how I use color and how I try to kind of convey something with maybe non-conventional, unnatural parts of the photograph photographic medium. I'm yeah. using a lot of hand <laughs> motions because I have no idea what I'm saying right now. If only this microphone doubled as a video camera. Yeah. Happiness. This microphone actually has... 4K 60p video. Did you yeah. know that? Oh, Dude, wow. You know that Sony heads are definitely going to love this thing. Wow, this is incredible. Don't tell the government you have this. Yeah, this is actually um, Sony's new hybrid camera mic uh, high-end microphone uh, test process. We're in the beta phase of it. Um, and it has 4K 60p video, and it's full frame. Uh, and it records uh, better than shotgun quality microphone. The audio is 60 megapixels. That's It's like unlike any audio resolution you could ever find. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I love hating on Sony. I love Sony, <laughs> but I just hate on Sony too much. Uh, so kind of like talk, going, kind of like jumping back a little bit. Um, so like there are a couple series that you did for ISU's photo classes that you were in. Um, do you have any like favorites of those series? And like, do you have anything that you're like s still kind of working on with that? Um, I think there's kind of two that immediately come to mind is I did one. Um, I don't remember what I called the series, but kind of the idea of it was um, trying to capture an emotion of like, not quite sadness, but kind of finding, um, I guess, it was like finding uh, discomfort or like in the mundane kind of feeling. Um, uh, what was the, I, I used a word for it. Discontent yeah. was yeah. the word I was using. Yeah. yeah. So kind of like not quite deep sadness, but kind of you know, discontent with things. And that was kind of the emotion I was trying to capture. And I think that that really was a really fun uh, project to do because I think it was something that I kind of got to look within myself and find things that I found discontentful if that's a word um, I think so yeah and so then that was really cool and then the other one 
that comes to mind, I think that the project turned out pretty terrible because it was the last project of the year. And, uh, you know, when you're graduating, you're like, just get me out of here. But the thing I'd like to revisit is I paired lyrics from songs I really liked and I paired photographs to them. And I think that that concept is definitely something I'd like to revisit and do well next time. But that's something that I really loved and appreciated the uh, idea for if that makes sense i think the the first the first series that you were talking about there for a second reminded me of something of some of your more more recent vernacular photography like some like the like the gas stations and stuff like that stuff that we were shooting earlier today Mm -hmm. and looking for discontent and things i think that that might even be taken into discontent and just everyday scenes be it buildings or whatever and i think that's a, a interesting to kind of think of it as like these inanimate scenes these buildings or whatever that have some kind of emotion about them and i think that your your recent vernacular photography like that kind of keeps that idea rolling with yeah that's that's really interesting i think it's something that um i think that kind of what's in the mind can kind of come out through the photography whether you know it or not so i think that's something that's really interesting is kind of thinking about how that um, how discontent can exist in things. And I think it's something that kind of will just happen naturally. Not that I'm discontent with my life right now. I love my life. I have a great time right now. I've got awesome things, but I think that that's kind of, there's something there to that. I would say, I think it's also kind of an appreciation for things in the daily life as well, yeah. though. It's, it's yeah. not, I think it's, like I like I love the naming of your zine. Shout out your zine. Oh yeah, the zine's almost done as we're recording this. By the time it's out, it's probably out. Yeah, and so it's called. Um, Nothing is interesting, and everything is normal. Yeah, yeah, and like I think that there's kind of an appreciation for the mundane as well in that, and I think that that's a really interesting kind of conflict where it's like this. Uh, kind of discontent for the mundane and there's also appreciation for things that are mundane and unnoticed in your in life and I think that that's a really interesting juxtaposition that I think that I see in a lot of the work you use you make as well and it's kind of this um, you're paying attention to the world around you yeah. I think that that's really cool and I think that that's something that not a lot of people have yeah, and I think it's part of like from a lot of the photographers that I am like a big fan of, like my favorite photographers being Alex Sove, Stephen Shore, Joel Sternfeld, all of them um, that work with the large format cameras, of course. Um, they're all doing a similar thing where they're putting a frame, a rectangle around something that is typically not seen as 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 photographically beautiful as like something of artistic interest. But once you put that frame around it it suddenly becomes of artistic value of just value in general. Like um, some of the photos that I received for the zine, like one is of rotting oranges and it's like, that is not a very pleasant scene. And yet it's also a very Mm -hmm. simple, not very interesting thing that's happening. And then there's other photos like the one that I, uh, the one of yours that I put in, I don't remember if I put two or one of yours. No, I put two of yours in, I think. I don't remember. I don't either. I don't remember. <laughs> it's in there. The one I remember is of the um, the mannequins. The yeah, yeah, which I don't remember if that was at ISU or not. But yeah, like, I just loved how those are all positioned and they're just in storage, and it's like they're not meant to look 
pretty. They're not meant to look like anything interesting. Mm-hmm. But you put a frame around it, suddenly those mannequins become kind of like their own characters yeah. and their own entities in a sense. Mm. I also love that you named it Chicken. Yeah. I don't really know where that comes from. I don't remember. In my head, there was like a justification for it, like, but uh, I don't remember what that was. But it's there. Yeah, it is there. It's going to be printed. Yeah. But yeah, that, I think that's, it's, it's really interesting that you kind of mentioned that because I think there's a lot of interesting ideas that come with like putting a frame around something and when you appreciate something, it becomes art. Which I feel like maybe this is getting like super like art school, but like I think that there's we're all about that here. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's it's really interesting that you're finding kind of this this concept that if you put if you uh, apply appreciation to something that it becomes art, and so I think that that's really interesting because there's a lot of times you like see someone and you're like, man, like they're just doing this pretentious stuff, and it's like. I don't know. It's it's really weird. I feel like there's this conflict where it's like, well, you're just doing this and like, it's not real art because it's not like something I'm familiar with. But I think there's yeah. also this, this, uh, other side of it that because you are appreciating it and because you are, um, finding a meaning in this mundane thing that it is art. And I think that that's really cool as well. So that's really interesting. Kind of your, your thought process with that. Too many burps at once. Jeepers. <laughs> and I lost my thought. Oh, well. What was it? Bear with me here for a second. Art. We're kind of backtracking. We're talking about art. We're talking about art. Don't worry. This, this little bit will be cut out. Oh, I'm trying okay. to remember what the hell it was. Oh, it's okay. Um, I, well, I think it kind of goes to show with, like, um, how art school, whether no matter what, um, what medium you're in, or media, possibly, um, kind of like really trains you to kind of like, you might start off with a kind of like that pretentious, like art school mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, like your, like your life goal is to be art school by Remo drive. <laughs> but at the same time you get to your senior year, not only are you like mentally dead, but you also have like this different kind of appreciation and approach to art. That's kind of affected by, you know, like with photographers, like putting that frame around something, like once you put a frame around it, it becomes significant. Mm. Um, and I think with a graphic design standpoint, uh, I feel like, uh, I forget which one of the graphic design majors that just graduated, I forget who it was that was saying it, but it's kind of like graphic design is kind of this weird middle ground in the never ending argument of craft versus art. Mm-hmm. And if you should separate those two, and if you were to separate those two, how would you define the other? Mm-hmm. And that graphic design is this like really weird kind of gray area in yeah. that entire argument. It is. It's, it's really weird. Cause it's ultimately it's, it's a service job and like you're at least for most practicing, practicing designers, you're, working for a client generally and that client wants something from you and your job is to make that for the client. But then also at the other end of it is like naturally you're using art to deliver that to the client. So it's like this weird kind of gray area, like you were saying is like, are you an artist or are you a business person? Are you like this um, service person? Are you a crafter? Like what are you? And it's, it's really interesting, but I think that that's kind of the beauty of it is there's so many different ways you can go about it like i know some designers that are just like super rc like you they 
they'd probably fall more under the umbrella of contemporary artists and less under designer. But I know yeah. some designers that are like, like, let me make a logo for you. It'll serve the purpose you need. And that's it. I'm not doing anything fancy. I'm not <laughs> doing anything that looks shiny. It just works. And I think yeah. there's a lot of really cool things there. Um, and that's, I think that's one thing, like for me personally, like I'm sometimes reluctant to call my photojournalism, like capital A art. Yeah. And then I kind of catch myself and think like, hold on a minute. Some of the most influential recognized as art photographers, some of the most influential work is from their time working at a newspaper, from their time working for Time Magazine or whatever, yeah. in which they're doing the same kind of work that I am now. Um, but yet there's still this, this weird, like, I think it's, the thing is partially me being stubborn. Uh, like, I don't, sometimes I see, like, my coworkers call the photographs for the story, like, staff art or just mm -hmm. art. And I'm like, I almost want to stop them and say, don't say that. But also at the same time, like, but also do. Well, I feel like there's, <laughs> there's a weird kind of tension with a lot of people I know. Because it's like, I think it's, it's difficult because the moment you call yourself an artist, I feel like sometimes you are opening yourself up for comparison to other art. So I think yeah. like for me, like, because I'm not like a practicing, like super air quote professional photographer, I'm sometimes I, I sometimes I'm afraid to call myself a professional photographer. Cause the yeah. moment you call yourself a professional photographer, then you put yourself in the ranks of all these other professional photographers that are better than you, which is awesome. I love that there's photographers that are better than me and there's plenty of them, but I think that there's, kind of this fear that kind of comes with labeling yourself and putting yourself among the ranks of the best. Yeah. And it's, it kind of goes with a topic that was brought up in Joey Miller's episode where it's like your current master status, like what you are right now. And it's like, how would you define that? And even then, like that master status that you have for yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you are a master of that thing. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how, all these different terms and all these things we throw around to kind of figure out what we're doing. And as millennials are in this age range, we're definitely trying to figure out our lives. Still. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's also like, I think just the role of an artist is generally you are very, very good at critiquing yourself sometimes to a fault. So I think that there's kind of this, uh, I think what do they call it, it's an imposter syndrome where yeah, it's, you yeah. know, you're always questioning whether or not what you're doing is good enough or whether, um, all the other people around you are so much better than you and you don't belong to be around them. And I think that kind of belongs in the world of art where it's like, I don't know, are, are we an artist? Are we com opening ourselves up for comparison to other people? Are we, is it right to compare exactly. at the same time? Yeah. So it's definitely like a weird gray area that, um, it's, I don't think you ever really arrive at a conclusion to that, but I think it's something yeah. that's kind of you're constantly navigating. Now, I uh, one uh, got a couple couple more questions related to just kind of about to close things off, but a couple real quick questions. Sure. Um, so, like, since you're a, a real boy with a job, nice big boy job. <laughs> um, now, uh, have you managed to kind of find some time in in your free time to like? work on different ideas and concepts in photography or are you just kind of like keeping it a little bit more casual like you were saying earlier but is like kind of continuing more casually um i think right now it's it's at least in the past year of me kind of being a full-time worker nine to five i think it's kind of been more casual but i think that 
it's partially been like, you know, there's a lot of transition that happens there. So um, I think that kind of going into this year, I want to start making more photos and making things a lot more intentionally. Um, I just set up a photo studio kind of super janky version of that in my house. So I'm going to want to be taking a lot more photos of that and then kind of and there's a lot of photographers like Jeff that are inspiring me to make a lot more work. So um, I think that more photos that are more intentionally made are definitely in the works for me or on the horizon for sure. That's good. Yeah, because um, I've seen the, the small handful of your, uh, uh, like obviously the concert stuff and then the vernacular um, kind of contemporary landscape. I like the term contemporary landscape because I, I think like it's it. very fitting, yeah. but also vernacular landscape. Is also a nice term, mm-hmm. but it also confuses people. But like that kind of style that that you're working in, yeah, um, that that you have been working in recently, mm-hmm. um, I think there's some kind of cool stuff that can come out of that. And I, you know, I think the best way to do that is to kind of keep it casual. Yeah, I think that's that's the nice part is there's no pressure behind it for me, and I want to keep it that way. But I also want to kind of put some fire under me just to kind of get myself uh, to make some more ass. stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it's yeah. Now I think I got one last thing. Is there anything kind of special coming up in the in the world of Cedric Wilder's art that you'd like to kind of share with our lovely listeners? Um, always freelancing. Um, set up a photo studio in my house, like I said earlier, and so I'll probably be you know publishing more photos. Uh, taking more photos of more people, trying to get back into that and figure out how to even do that. I feel like I'm not a studio photographer, so um, learning how to make those things work is kind of on the horizon. Taking pictures of sandwiches, learning how to do that. Um, so peep those Jimmy John's ads and eat Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's sponsored. The, the new Jimmy John's sandwiches, the newest additions to the menu, are the little very John. Good. Or the oh, are you talking about the little John? Oh, I'm talking about like the the thirteen and the seven, the oh, updates. See, I don't like pickles, so I'm not a thirteen guy. But the seven, ooh wee, ooh Italian hands. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's just I love those. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy John, do you want to sponsor this? <laughs> <laughs> now, the last question I have. This is very important for our listeners. Okay. What is your hot take on Death Cab for Cutie? Death Cab for Cutie is an emo band, but not only that, Death Cab for Cutie is one of the best emo bands of all time. Although I will say, here's a hot take. Their most recent work is not some of my favorite. Narrow Stairs, best album. Plans, best album. Codes and Keys, good album. Later than that, TBD. We'll find out. That's a hot take. I think I agree. And on that note, we're going to be signing off for this fourth episode of Ready for Mistakes. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out Cedric's work. It's uh, linked into the description of the Spotify and YouTube and website stuff, all that stuff. Be sure to check out his work. Drop him a follow. Drop him some messages if you have some questions about his work beyond this. Anyway, guys. I don't know who the next guest is going to be. We're going to be figuring that out pretty soon here. And then that will be out when the time comes, hopefully two weeks after this one. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys on the next one.